Daddy, tell me a story. Hello, and welcome to the Daddy Tell Me a Story podcast. I am Mr. S, and I am joined by my lovely daughters, Joy, Grace, Faith, and Hope. Before bed, we like to let our imaginations run wild and our dreams run free. We hope you will enjoy listening as we all tell you a story. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight on our first official podcast. Are you girls excited tonight? Yeah! Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a good night. So, I needed to ask you girls something. What? Do you think we should do one story or two stories tonight? Two! Two! Two stories tonight? The more the better. (laughs) Well, okay, but we can't just tell... 13 stories in one night, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would get a little long and you guys got to go to bed. Yes, we do. (laughs) Okay, so we are going to start tonight. First story is going to be from Grimm's Fairy Tales. Uh, This is uh, The Seven Ravens. Nice. What's a raven? What's a raven? What is a raven? Uh, a raven is a crow. Oh, so you, you guys know what a crow is, right? Yeah, it's a giant. It, it, it's, it's a small, annoying black bird. Well, ravens are big, annoying black birds. Oh, okay. So they're like a bigger version of a, of a crow, right? Yes, okay. they're bigger versions of crows. Okay. okay. Let's start. A man had seven sons but not a single daughter and this made both him and his wife very unhappy because having daughters is cool yeah at last a daughter was born to their great joy but the child was very small and slight and so weak that they feared it would die so the father sent his sons to the spring to fetch water that he might baptize her Each of the boys ran in great haste to be the first to draw the water for their little sister's baptism, but in the struggle to be first, they let the pitcher fall into the well. Then they stood still and knew not what to do. Not one of them dared to venture home without the water. As the time went on and they did not return, the father became very impatient. He and said, I supposed in the midst of their play, they've forgotten what I sent them for, the careless children. He was in such agony, lest the child should die unbaptized, that he exclaimed thoughtlessly, I wish the youngsters were turned to ravens. The words were scarcely uttered when there was heard a rushing of wings in the air over his head. And presently, seven coal-black ravens flew over his house. His sons turned into ravens. Okay. That's what happened. Wait, how did they turn into ravens? Well, words are powerful. And 
he said some words that he didn't think about. Oh, okay, guys. So, like, magic words? Yep, he said he wished his sons were turned into ravens, so and they did. So was there like a well or something, and he did you like, what, what was he by the well? And he no, he, no, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a well. What? This is just a lesson in, be careful what you say. Okay. <laughs> the father could not recall the dreadful words, and both parents grieved terribly over the loss of their seven sons. Their only consolation now was the little daughter, who every day grew stronger and more beautiful. For a long time, the maiden was not told that she had brothers. Her parents were most careful to avoid all mention of them. But one day, she overheard some persons talking, and they said that no doubt the young girl was very beautiful, but there must have been some strange cause for the misfortune which had happened to her seven brothers. Yep, she found out. <laughs> oh, how surprised and sad she felt when she had heard this. She went at once to her father and mother and asked them if she really had any brothers and what had become of them. Then her parents dared not any longer keep the secret from her. They told her, however, that it was the decree of heaven, and that her birth was the innocent cause of it all. As soon as she was alone, she made a firm determination that she would try to break the enchantment in which her brothers were held. She had neither rest nor peace till she had made up her mind to leave home and seek her brothers and set them free, cost what it might. When at last she left home, she took nothing with her but a little ring in memory of her parents, a loaf of bread, a jug of water, and a little stool in case she felt tired. What's so, a stool for? So she could have a place to sit. I guess she didn't want to sit on the dirty ground, yeah. Well, did she pack any, like, um, bed? like... Sleeping bags? It didn't say. Okay. I'm sure she packed sleeping bags. Maybe. So she went from her home and traveled farther and farther, till she came to the end of the world, and there was the sun, but it was so hot and fierce that it scorched the little child, and she ran away in such a hurry that she ran into the moon. Here it was quite cold and dismal, and she heard a voice say, I smell man's flesh, which made her escape from the moon as quickly as she could. And at last she reached the stars. They were kind and friendly to her, and each of the stars was seated on a wonderful chair, and the morning star stood up and said, if you have not a key, you will not be able to unlock the iceberg in which your brothers are shut up. Her, her brothers are in an iceberg, I guess. So they're frozen, and, and, they, and they, so they won't stop squawking, so they, so, 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 this doesn't make sense. That's the thing about fairy tales, they're, they don't have to make sense. So the morning star gave the maiden the key, 
and told, told her to wrap it up carefully in her little handkerchief and showed her the way to the iceberg. When she arrived, the gate was closed. She opened her hand, Gerchif, to take out the key, but found it empty. What happened? She had forgotten the advice of the kind stars, and she lost her key. Wait, what, what does he say? She wished to rescue her brothers and had no key to the iceberg. What was she to do now? Go back and search for the key! <laughs> At last, the good little sister thought she would put her finger into the lock instead of a key. After twisting and turning it about, which hurt her very much, Owie. yes, she happily succeeded in opening it and immediately entered. And presently, a little dwarf came forward to meet her. A little dwarf? Yep, a dwarf. And he said, My child, what are you seeking? I seek my brothers, the seven ravens, she said. The seven ravens are not at home, replied the dwarf. But if you would like to wait here till they return, pray step in. Then the little dwarf took the maiden to the room where supper was prepared for the seven ravens. On seven little plates, by which stood seven little cups of water. So the sister ate a few crumbs from each plate, and drank a little draught from each cup, and into the last cup she let fall the ring that she brought from home. Before she could get it out again, she heard the rushing of wings in the air. And the little dwarf said, Here come the seven, ra seven Mr. Ravens flying home. Then she hid herself behind the door to see and hear what they would do. They came in and were about to eat their supper. But as they caught sight of their little cups and plates, they said to one another, Ah! Who's been eating from my little plate? Who's been drinking from my little cup? It has been touched by the mouth of a human being! cried one. And, and look! Here! What is this? He took up his cup and turned it over, and out rolled the little ring, which they ha knew had once belonged to their father and mother. Then said the eldest, Oh, I remember that ring. Oh, if our sister would only come here, we should be free. The maiden, who heard the wish from behind the door, came forth smiling, and stood before them. And in that same moment, the seven ravens were freed from the enchantment and became seven handsome young men. And oh, how joyfully they all kissed each other and their little sister and started off at once in great happiness to their parents and their home. That's nice. That was a nice story, wasn't it, girls? So that's what a fairy tale is like. These tales were told a long time ago, long before there were books. But the Brothers Grimm took a bunch of stories like this, and they put them all into one book. One big giant book like this. Like the one that's on our desk, yes. Mm -hmm. So, but before they were in a book, they were telling it, fathers would tell their kids these stories before bed. Really? You know kind of like we're doing now. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that the fathers did a lot of making up of stories, too. Yeah, like you. Yeah. All right. Okay, everybody. It is time to take a break now. When we come back, we will start in on our first chapter of our original story, The Soldier, The Girl, and The Wild. Grab yourself a drink and a snack and maybe go to the bathroom and we'll be right back here very soon. Welcome back from the break. So for our second story tonight, and you guys all wanted a second story, right? Yeah! Okay. All right. So for the second story tonight, we're going to start on chapter one of our original story called The Soldier, The Girl, and the wild. That sounds Ooh. scary. It sounds scary? Very, very scary. Scary, huh? Well, uh, this is going to... Do you girls know what original means? No. no. Original means I wrote it. Oh! oh. Yep. And the gr boys and girls listening, we will be releasing our original stories in our own book. So keep listening and want, keep following us, and one day we will release these all in our own book. But we're going to start with Chapter 1 of The Soldier and the Girl in the Wild. Chapter 1 is called The Worst Good News. What? What? Yeah, How I know. How is it the worst, but it's good news? Well, we'll find out. Now listen carefully, relax, close your eyes, and start to imagine where we are. The sun was setting in the distance over the field. The golden grass barely stirred, and the trees dotting the rolling hills did not make a sound. Even if they did rustle, they would have been drowned out by the flocks of chattering birds that went from tree to tree in their inane conversations. Nervous rabbits popped in and out of visibility, wary of most things, for most things were a danger to them. Around the shallow pond, the birds flew, swooping through to collect as many flying insects as possible, which hovered over the pond in zigzagging clouds to the applause of the squirrels in the trees. The small girl in the simple gray wool dress sitting in the crook of a great forked tree noticed none of this. She didn't notice any of it. Her dark hair enclosed around her face as her attention was completely absorbed in the little book. Saya frequently spent her afternoons in this crook of the tree, ignoring both the landscape and her chores with the aid of a book. It was a book of poetry that had occupied her today, though almost any book would suffice to serve the role as a welcome distraction. Books of tales, of history, of travels, of lore, legends, and magic, it mattered not as long as she could escape the drudgery of it all. The list of things that she should have done, but left undone, was very long this afternoon. Her grandmother wanted her to make stew, finish baking the bread, weed the garden, harvest the green vegetables, chop wood, 
and sweep the house if she had time. Of those things, she had started the watery, weak stew an hour ago, and there was little chance it would be ready anytime soon. Yeah. In her little book of poetry, however, she could forget all of those things. It was as if it wasn't her problem. Wasn't her that would be hungry that evening. Wasn't her grandmother that would be disappointed. Her book of poetry did not judge her, and her eyes scanned over the crisp page ravenously. At the white sword moon, the desperate do find, running on the heels of the black hind. The great horned owl shows the way where wild witches howl, if to it their burning blood do bind. What do you girls think the great horned owl is? Um, I, I think it's like an owl with horns. Yeah. Like oh, cow feathers. horns. Like cow horns. Like cow horns, not feathers on its head. No, cow horns. Okay. Reading ancient poems like that one filled her with feelings of power, of mystery, of loftiness. She imagined what it would be like to follow the black hind into the woods to find the wild witches. Maybe if she found the witches, they would teach her magic, teach her the secrets of power, of not being desperately poor any longer, of not working long hours of endless chores. After she had lost her parents, her older brother, and their family farm, life was something she wished desperately to escape from. For most of the time she had spent in it so far was very painful. Grandmother made it bearable enough for staying alive, but not bearable enough to avoid wishing life away. It was then that she heard the faint, wavering voice from the road behind her. It was the voice she had been dreading all day. She snapped the book shut, jumped down from the tree, and ran to the open fire where the stew was cooking in the cauldron. She took out her spoon and started stirring for the first time in at least an hour. She said a silent prayer that it did not burn yet. Saya! Saya! came the voice, now close enough to hear. Yes, Grandma? said Saya, standing up from the cauldron. Go quick! she said, panting and flushed, like she had just ran home. As fast as you can, milk the cow and bring the cream. I'll get the salt, a few peppercorns, garlic, bacon, oh my, so much to do. Grandma, asked Saya, confused as to why they were wasting such valuable spices. What is happening? Len is coming, said Grandma. He asked me to meet you. I think he's taken a fancy to you, my dear. Well, how did he see me? asked Saya in a little bit more annoyed tone than she probably should have. He's only got one eye. You watch your mouth, girl, said Grandma. Losing your eye defending the land from invaders is more than enough reason to give him respect, let alone that he asked to court you in the most beautiful poem I've seen a common man compose. Plus, the Baron gave him his own land, with good soil, and a good house. If you could actually find yourself to be present in the moment for a short time, you might find yourself with a more-than-ideal husband." Saya's insides fought a pitched battle. Len was handsome, in a grizzled, rough way. His strong arms, rough hands, and broad shoulders 
were enough to set any girl's heart beating faster. His hair was blonde, close-cropped after the manner of a soldier, and his remaining eye, the left one, was an icy blue that seemed to see everything. His house would be strong, warm, and safe. It would be a house that most girls would love to be in. However, in his house, Saya knew what awaited her. She would be domesticated. Cooking, cleaning, gardening, and tending children until the day she died. A life of travel and adventure would pass her by like a leaf on the wind, staying out of her grasp no matter how fast she ran after it. Get the cream, girl! snapped Grandma. Do as I say! Saya offered no more resistance. At least not outright. Grandma did not raise her voice often, which made it all the more powerful when she did. As the saying goes, the calmest sea raises the greatest storms. She briskly walked to the barn, carrying the pail with her. The cow knew what the rattling of the pail meant and stuck her large head out of the stall, peering at Saya under her long lashes. Hello, Jera, said Saya. I'm gonna need some cream for you to help catch a husband. Think you can do that? <coughs> Gera lowed, wanting her evening meal. All right, I'm coming. You sound like Grandma. Saya began to fill Jera's manger where there was a crash in the woods behind the barn. What do you think was back there? Crash! Saya's head snapped up, her heart beating faster. Jera turned first her ears and then her head towards the noise. Who, who goes there? Saya called. <laughs> there was a grunt. <laughs> and the rhythmic stomping of what sounded like four feet moving through the thick grass that separated their yard from the forest. Saya grabbed a sickle hanging on a hook next to the barn and crept slowly around the barn. Whatever it was, it was easily bigger than the dog and big enough to contemplate what it could potentially do to you. Saya prayed very hard that it wasn't a wolf or a bear. She rounded the corner and saw something more terrifying and beautiful than either of those. It was a hind. She was tall as a large pony and had fur as black as a witch's cat. Her eyes were red, solid blood crimson domes like magic crystal balls. Saya would have sworn that the longer she stared at it, the more secrets she would know. She was staring at a creature of legend, the one from the fairy tales that always pulled the hero into a grand adventure. And by some twist of fate, it had now come to her. The creature held her gaze for what seemed like a century and a half, more than enough for Saya to become intoxicated. She felt pulled to the ethereal incarnation of old witchcraft as if by a leash. When the hind turned and unhurriedly strode into the forest, Saya took an involuntary step forward. Her foot, much to her chagrin, came in contact with a very brittle twig, which promptly and loudly 
cracked in protest. Crack. The hind immediately stopped and snapped her head back at Saya, affixing those deep red eyes upon the girl in the most deer-like manner possible. And yet it wasn't deer-like. It was more. It was a challenge. It was an invitation. It was a dare. Did she dare leave behind everything to follow her dream? Did Saya have what it took to follow her heart into the wild? When the hind put up her tail and bounded in the woods, Saya's next actions were a foregone conclusion. That's scary. Do you think she's do you think she's gonna stay behind and cook soup for Len? Nope. 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 <laughs> Definitely well, not. Well we're gonna find out what happened Ow. next week. Now, if you liked this podcast and want us to continue, please share it with all of your friends on your social media. And we look forward to hearing you next week as we tell you all another story. Have a good day and have a good night.